Hi, everyone. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco, and you're listening to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast series. Follow along as I interview the best and brightest leaders in the insurance industry and insure tech landscape to bring you the latest in digital transformation, innovation, industry trends, challenges, and opportunities, as well as next-gen technologies. We use our experience to anticipate what's next without losing sight of what's now. Stay tuned to find out your next now. Welcome, everybody, to the Future of Insurance podcast series with industry leaders. I'm really thrilled today to have two of our partners from PwC, Conchin and Sood, who are going to be with me today talking about a number of things around transformation and agile approaches. So welcome, Conchin. Welcome, Sood. Thank you, Denise. Let's start with you, Conchin. Could you give a little bit of background in yourself and your role at PwC? And then, Sud, I'd like you to do the same thing, just to give our audience kind of a perspective of your background and why you're so passionate about this area. Sure thing. So good morning, everybody. I am a director in PwC's Consulting Solutions, Tech Strategy, Enterprise Architecture, Digital Transformation. These are really my bread and butter areas, I assist my clients in financial services, primarily insurance clients, to design a future-proof architecture uh, with a focus on utilizing emerging technologies. How do we deliver innovation in a consumer-centric manner? And I've also helped them to define IT operating models uh, to enable agility. Over to you, Sud. Thank you, Kanchan. Good morning, everyone. I'm also a director in consulting solutions uh, with more than about 25 years of experience in PNC insurance. And I've executed all the way from strategy to all the executions. Now I've been uh, fortunate to get involved in a wide range of game-changing, business-driven enterprise programs across multiple domains, helping build innovative and cutting-edge technology solutions. Well, when we talked about doing this podcast, we talked about kind of taking a different angle on discussing transformation. And it was really to talk about it in terms of four ways that companies might be hurting their transformation initiatives. And so one of the things that we wanted to first kind of talk about is that this word transformation is a heavily and often overused term in the industry. From your perspective, what are the characteristics of a transformation initiative? Kanchan? Denise, that's a very uh, good question. If you just looked up on Google, the usage of the word has gone up for, let's say, the ten, last 10 years. However, I think that people get it wrong. If you looked up the dictionary definition of what the word means, it does mean a thorough or a dramatic change. And in terms of what we see in nature, the best example of transformation, which I often use in my conversations with clients, is that of a metamorphism, you know, of, of an insect, if you see, right, from a caterpillar to a butterfly, it's dramatic. That, to me, is transformation. And we see that the carriers miss that point by a lot, not by a little. That is because the usual notion out there is that it's all about new technology, and we don't believe that. True digital transformation and a dramatic change would come from changing how you do business, how you generate value, how you serve your customers, and technology becomes an enabler in that. 
So tech replatforming is not a transformation. So why is it not an event? It's once and done, kind of building off of what Conscience uh, talked about. So usually the technology modernization never ends, right? Uh, we should always plan for capacity and investment for doing perfective maintenance of the technological assets we build. High performing organizations make a motto like, you know, stay modern. They don't want to really use the word modernize because they want to really stay modern all the time. So why is this a solid foundation so important? Kanchan, do you want to start and maybe suit at your perspective? Yeah, definitely. If you think about the context of today, right? Insurance carriers are majorly underinvested in technology. We're just seeing them, you know, some of them complete their transformation journey. Some are, some of them are in the middle. And most of these journeys include a quote unquote, a new digital experience and support, you know, most of them are supporting that through a modern core SaaS platform, right? So the carriers who put a premium on say architecture or DevOps, they will be able to capture the value from the transformation. And how, you may ask, it's basically through agility and evolvability and flexibility, which architecture is the key enabler for, right? So transformation of this type is basically leaps and bounds of progress, given the context I just shared, in and itself. However, it's not enough to stay competitive. If you want to stay competitive, we would have to continuously transform ourselves, right? And the companies would want to create a ground for testing new ideas for the top use cases. Some of the good carriers, the good businesses that we are aware of, they would be, you know, working strategic big bets in an innovation lab. We would, they would pilot them, then harden them and ultimately take them to market. So this is the approach in which you are continuously transforming, right? And this cannot be done without a modern foundation. And I think right now is the wave of the modern foundation development by a lot of the carriers we see. They are yet to unlock the next layer of, you know, how to capture that value out of that investment that they've already made. All right. So another heavily used term is agile, another kind of popular term, actually. So what is an agile process versus agile values and how are they different but related? Sue, do you want to start? Yes. A brief history in time about agile. When agile manifesto was first written, it was about living the agile values and principles. In practice, we see an over obsession with agile processes and methodologies. It's kind of a purist attitude versus being truly agile in real life. Living the agile value every day means empowering people, faster decision-making and permission to fail. And we don't really see that often in the transformation programs. And Kanchan, from your perspective? That's very well said, Sud. Being agile in real life is living the values, right? And you have to practice that a lot. It doesn't come easy. That's really on the leaders. So I want to say a lot of um, the carriers go through the agile transformation and they attach themselves to a process, an SDLC process in which you actually deliver software faster or fail fast. However, they don't really learn the value system of agile. We don't see that more often. It's more of let's uh, associate ourselves in a, in a particular process. So 
You know, one of the interesting questions is, is why are agile values not embraced effectively within companies and their transformation initiatives? It seems to be somewhat sporadic at best. Kanchan? Yeah, um, I think it's, again, I'll go back to our definition of transformation, right? Given that context of underinvestment, given the context that it's a dramatic change, you would see that transformations are usually brownfield in nature, right? What I mean by brownfield is there is a book of business Um, There's already set customer expectations. There is a brand reputation that carriers have to uphold to. And there are very established, optimized, tailored business processes that business close to. If we have to make progress in that environment, we just need higher throughput. And in these cases, uh, carriers need more creativity in execution, right? In those cases, agile or a particular SDLC methodology is really not the right answer. You have to be open to being, you know, meshing up multiple different methodologies that might work. Uh, Think of a hybrid methodology, right? That might lead to a better result. For an example, any commercial off-the-shelf solution out there, you would see that the, the system integrators out there have a different methodology that they have tried and tested and perfected. So you need to be able to kind of take that over and create a hybrid option for yourself. That's one. In contrast, if you look at the greenfield innovations, right, that's where agile, pure agile would work very accurately because you are in a test and learn mode. You're in a pilot, fail fast, sort of a startup mode. So you can be a purist in those areas, but for transformation, you cannot be a purist, if that makes sense, Denise. Yeah, it does. Sud, anything else to add from your perspective and your experience? We see, you know, executives often getting caught up in analysis paralysis mode, right? So we have to make the decisions knowing that only we have 60 to 70% of the information and the rest is intuition and leadership experience. And it's okay being to fail and learn pointing to a risk averse culture. And from a product management skills perspective, that discipline across most mature careers are actually low, in my observation. So, you know, this all kind of comes together when you talk about transformation and agile and and kind of that foundation that we were talking about, Sud and and Kanchan, into really uh, creating operating model alignment. This is a critical consideration in transformation. To your point made earlier, It's not just about replacing technology. It's really looking at the overall operating model and getting an alignment between what you're doing today, what you need to do tomorrow, and the technology. What are some of the best practices to consider for operating structure during that transformation, Kanchan? I think during the transformation, the operating model is not just about managing the program or managing the execution. There are other very critical dimensions from, say, scope management all the way through more soft things such as change management. And I will build on Sood's point on product management that he made just a second ago. Gaining alignment on which problems are worth solving for, which problems should the business be focusing on. It's really that critical and that role is played by product management discipline, right? So for example, there are common business processes out there which are standard across the industry. You do not unlock a lot of differentiation out of that. They have been solved, optimized, and say automated for decades. 
those need not to be rehashed, right? And you would see that in good uh, organizations who have more uh, focus on execution and better scope management, they would not focus on these. They would not rehash these and kind of more get more focused on differentiation. So in this situation, very much the scenario that applies here is a commercial off-the-shelf solution, especially a SaaS solution. You have to see how the business has to change the way of thinking or sometimes the processes have to change in operations so that you can stick to out-of-the-box functionality. This not only defends you from scope creep today, right, but also gives you over the time when the vendor of the COT solution is making upgrades, it defends you from you know, ongoing maintenance as well. So if you're buying a SaaS solution, use it as a SaaS solution, do not go and over-customize it. So this is where we see a lot of transformation initiatives bleed to death. You know, all the scope creeps that happen and they end up losing a lot of money early on in the game, uh, not a ton of delivery where it would actually stretch their dollar or make the difference that they're wanting to make. Yeah, is it really necessary and and really going to make a difference? Or is it because you always did business that way? Couldn't agree more. So, Sud, um, how does the operating model, how does that change after the transformation across engineering delivery, as well as business operations? What's your perspective? Actually, I want to piggyback on consciencing point, right? Never attempt to solve the problem that I've been solved. That's actually a very key thing and well said conscience. Uh, so when it comes to building the technology at scale, it is perhaps the easiest part of transformation. Uh, thanks to the system integrators, you know, they have built a proficiency, expertise to implement the COTS product, and they built accelerator for rapid pace implementations. However, often the carriers struggle to keep feeding this delivery engine and keeping pace with them. High quality business requirements are very crucial in this huge transformation. That is something that the insurers or carriers would have to feed the system integrators. So transformation is also about developing next generation digital leaders, something that we've been really focused on at Majesco is really what does that mean to be next generation digital leaders? Why is this so important? And what is expected from leaders in terms of both business and technology acumen? Kanchan? That's a very good point because transformation at the end of it, when you look back, it's more than, hey, we created a new tech foundation. It's, it's more like, hey, this is the new muscle we have built of how we will lead and how we'll do business in the next you know, so many years. So we believe that business leaders should strive to strengthen their digital and technical acumen. In the same vein, we would like to see engineering leaders getting better at learning business and operational processes. Sue, do you want to add something to that? That's, that's a great point. You know, here is why, you know, this, this can lead to business being more empathetic with the engineering aspects. For example, we said earlier that insurance is historically underinvested in technology, and that needs to change. For new digital leaders, there should be less friction over continuous involvement and investment in tech evolution. And on the flip side, though, engineers would come up with innovative ideas if you bring them closer to the problems versus just telling them what they need to do. 
through all of this, it's a lot of change and transformation is not an easy effort, especially when you've got decades of history and decades of this is the way we've always done business. Leadership's really crucially important. And what is that role of leadership during the transformation, but even more importantly, afterwards? Conscience? So during the transformation, you have to make a lot of difficult decisions, right? The leaders have to understand that it's a long, arduous journey. One thing which is important is staying the course. We have seen carriers uh, with the execs getting impatient for results, right? Or uh, losing the focus, right? That's, again, it takes time to build infrastructure. It takes time to build the foundation. It's harder and it's time consuming. How do you make sure that, you know, if you had the right technical and digital acumen, you would understand it. That's one, but you have to be focused, like I said, and, you know, have the courage to stay the course. That's one. In terms of post-transformation, the other crucial thing that if you're in the CIO seat or the CTO seat, you have to look at is how do you build up the right skill set? Whether is how do we you know, manage the vendors and the suppliers because you'll have too many in the mix. How do you create the right partnership between you and your SaaS solution provider? That is very, very important. How do you influence their roadmap based on your goals? We see some carriers struggling with that. So it's a very important skill to build the negotiation skills, the communication skills. Post the transformation, you have to look at those areas which Earlier, you really didn't uh, need to. You were more about engineering and operations. And now it's more about how do I get the team ready for the next generation of this, you know, maintaining and continue to build on these digital assets. Sue, your perspective on leadership? Well said, Kanchan. Uh, from my perspective, in my experience, some of the leaders were much used to run the business kind of a skill set are often not you know, compatible to do the large transformations because a large transformation typically it is it takes a long time. The burn rate is very high. The decision-making skills are very crucial. And that's where, you know, I, I wanted to emphasize there is a unique set of skills that is actually needed to drive this large transformation. I always like to finish up the podcast asking everybody to pick one word or phrase that describes the future of insurance and then why you pick that. Kanchan, let's start with you. My phrase would be future of insurance is on demand and embedded. And why I say that is because we wouldn't see a day where you have to pay a premium for things you probably are not using. It has to be more usage-based, and you should be able to turn on the coverage when you need and turn it off when you don't need, right? And we see that there are some emerging business models, not yet mainstream, but they are there. The second phrase that I said is embedded. I do believe that customers, especially in the PNC world, they don't want to go and shop for insurance. It should be embedded in the point of sale and we you know, feel that that's the future of insurance. We have to work on creating or playing in an ecosystem and embedding ourselves. Making it easy for people to buy insurance where, when they want. Yep. Absolutely. I so Steve, what would you pick for a word or phrase? I couldn't agree more with uh, Kanchan, but uh, in the same line, I just wanted to extend probably a different terminology that I'm going to use, but it's the same meaning. It'll be kind of a subscription-based. You know, since mm-hmm. we are more towards the digital proliferation, 
I would use the word tap and go, right? So the digital transformation is not fully digital yet, right? We still go on and procuring policies from your desktop, from your laptops. But in the future, it'll be all digital. It'll be all in the palm. I just All you need to do is just tap and go. Well, thank you, Kanchan. Thank you, Sud, for this conversation. It's a topic that we've talked about in the industry for years. And yet it's still a really difficult thing to do, transformation that is. And with so much change happening throughout the industry, I think taking some of these kind of four key areas that you both highlighted and taking those into your initiatives from an insurance perspective will help you, I think, succeed quicker and more effectively as you kind of transform your organization. So once again, thank you for your great insights. Thank you for the partnership and uh, look forward to a future conversation. Thank you. Thank you, team. It was great talking with you all. That's it for this week's episode of Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Subscribe to our market-leading podcast series available wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in the next time.